Welcome to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. In this podcast, we will be speaking with various real estate and business professionals about real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and financial freedom. So, if you're interested in learning about real estate investing, then stay tuned and be sure to take advantage of the free tips and strategies that will be shared by our weekly guests. And now, your host, Penny Lubinsky. Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. I am your host, Penny Lubinsky. Today, we have an awesome guest by the name of Bud Evans. Bud is an active duty military officer with the USAF serving with PA Air National Guard. He has been in the military for 33 years and is planning to retire at 35 years in August 2022. He is an investor and licensed agent and operates in New Jersey and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with single family homes. Bud has done over 10 wholesales, 30 flips, and has 21 rental units all in the past three years. Currently, he's getting into commercial multifamily real estate and is soon closing on a six unit. Bud, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so the first question we always ask all of our guests is how they got started. Like kind of what did you do before real estate? What inspired you? And yeah, what brought you down this path? Great question. So Penny, I uh, started getting into real estate when I was the mayor of Cinnaminson. Uh, I was elected here um, in 2016 and found that I had a, an appreciation of economic development. And uh, then I met someone by the name of Al Segrist, who is the current mayor of Cinnaminson. Now uh, he wound up replacing me a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> he was living on his real estate income and that was it. I found that intriguing. So uh, getting into economic development, we, we were able to put together a Lidl store here, which is a German company, uh, put together a uh, over 55 community here where we had seven buildings going up all at the same time, along with several other commercial entities, uh, a storage facility, things of that nature. So uh, I, I really found that I had uh, an enjoyment of that. And the next thing I knew, I was being promoted at work, being told that I, in order to be promoted, I was going to have to leave local community service, which I subsequently did, and decided if Al can do it, why can't I? So I got into single family properties, um, tried to do it myself using auction.com and HubZoo and things like that, and was failing miserably um, because I didn't really have the systems or anything like that in place. So I wound up getting involved and in going to a three-day event with fortune builders, uh, paying an exorbitant amount of money for systems and whatnot, uh, making a great number of personal contacts and networking with those individuals. And there, a lot of them are still friends to this day. Uh, it's only been three years, so it's pretty understandable that they're still friends. Uh, in <laughs> fact, we just went down to Dallas for a, a conference uh, for the first time since COVID hit, which was great. It was like letting a bunch of wild animals out of a cage. So th that's how I kind of got started in this. Uh, Fortune Builders, I uh, finished my, finished my three-day, went through my immersion, came out, uh, immediately hit the ground running, picked up my first flip in December of 18, started, uh, I went away for a month of school for the military. And then in January, we hit the ground running and did our first flip, um, my wife and I. We wound up after that, 
turning that into two rental properties, buying another flip, buying another flip, a couple of more rental properties. I ran into a private money lender who eventually down the line would become my partner. And here we are 50 doors. Oh yeah. 60 doors, 60 doors later, you know? So it's been, it's been a crazy fun ride. And uh, Penny, since we've spoken last, I've, I'm done next month. So I'll finish, I'll finish my 30th year this uh, August 27th. And I'm, I'm retiring at the end of September. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So I, um, I, yeah, I have to have that updated on the, on your bio. But oh, no, it's not you, man. It's totally me. It's, it's completely <laughs> unexpected. It was just something that happened. I, I had to make a decision. Which way was I going to go with my life? And entrepreneur was the way I chose. So here we are. Absolutely. And that must feel really cool to kind of have that like early retirement looming on deck. So that's really awesome. And, and you, you just mentioned so many cool things, but I just want to dive into one at a time. So you mentioned that you went to the Fortune Builders event and like that sort of like sparked everything. Um, out there, there's a lot of hate on boot camps and events and, you know, all these um, three day classes that people go to to like learn everything they need to know to get started. Um, it seems like that one actually did work out pretty well for you. Like what was great about that event? And like, what would you say that some of the newer listeners should look out for um, with some of these boot camps or events that may not, you know, actually work out that well for them? Penny, if I can give one word of advice, you need to understand that there is no magic pill. If you are going to do it, you're going to do it. If you need someone to walk you through your deal, that's great. But I can give you all of the systems in the world. And if you don't, and I'm coaching right now, I am actually coaching people. If I give you all of the information, all of the systems that I have found success with, and you don't do it, you're going to fail. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's, it's all about systems and it's all about like be, taking action and just being able to have the right systems and processes in place to be able to go and take down a deal. So it's not necessarily any magical um, disc that you're going to pick up at the event or any magical pill that you're going to take that's automatically going to make you start closing deals right and left. So I guess that's something that like everybody needs to take in mind when you're going to a bootcamp. It's, it's a little bit about like, it's a lot about what you're learning at the event or the bootcamp, but it's a lot more about how you're following up and how you're actually taking action. Um, can we talk a little bit about the volume? I mean, that's a lot of deals in a very little amount of time. Um, I just, I feel like for a newbie, like, how did you manage that? Like, how, how did you manage so many moving parts? And I know with the, with the rental, that's one thing, but fix and flips, like those really have a lot going on at once. So like, how, how did you manage that? It, what, what, what kind of systems and processes did you need to have in place to be able to make that happen? Uh, network, network, network. That's number one. Uh, number two, find high quality people and surround yourself with it. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Right. Uh, I, I know that's uh, kind of cliche, but it's, it's true. Uh, the other thing is uh, you have to be really organized. And I'm not saying that you have to follow some system from some economist from who knows where it's, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, Google workspace is a lifesaver. I basically organize everything into folders and then I take those folders and I can move and mix. So I have one for acquisitions, one for in progress, one for wholesale deals, one for flips, one for burr, one for straight rental properties because I do buy turnkey as well. So uh, 
being extremely organized helps a lot. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, every burr is a flip. It is. Every burr is a rehab, but not every rehab is a burr. The systems are exactly the same. It's just that the numbers are different. I was explaining to one of my students the other day who got a little scared when I said, um, I'm working on a $2.4 million uh, 38 unit project that I'm going to have to dump $1.1 million into to create a almost $6 million 50 unit property because I have space. And she was overwhelmed by the numbers. And I said, well, whether it's $2.8 million or $280,000 or $28,000, it doesn't matter. It's just zeros. It's just numbers. It's just math. Right. It's just the, it's the same concept, pretty much just more zeros at the end. Um, but you just mentioned Burr. And I know this is something that I think Brandon Turner coined that term on, on Bigger Pockets, and you hear them talk all about it, the Burr strategy. Um, can you just explain real quick, like, what does that mean? Um, what does that stand for? And like, why is that such a productive strategy? And why is that so good for newbies to get involved and, and start scaling? Absolutely. I love the Burr strategy. In fact, um, with my current organization, I'm considered an expert in it. David Green is the one who wrote the book, Burr. It's buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And it's something that I live by and love. So you purchase a property. If the numbers work out, you're going to treat it like a flip, except it's not. You're going to hold on to it. Instead of actually flipping the property, you're just going to refinance it, take some money out for yourself, but you have to rent it first. It's that simple. Buy something where the numbers work, rehab it, rent it to someone, that's, that's this is exactly why they call it the burr strategy it's simple it's just not easy it does take work and and what's cool is it's your first apartment or your first house that you're buying essentially is paying for your second one and your second one is paying for your third and if you start scaling up they start paying for each other and it could technically all start with one because you're just pulling out that equity right especially if you're buying it in the right market and buying it at the right price you're going to have some built-up equity once you've done a little bit of repairs and then essentially that's just going to keep on funding the future deal. So it's, it's just this really cool like domino effect um, that happens just from essentially just starting out with one, one deal. So that is, it is pretty cool. And like, I, I heard them, you know, talk about it in burger pockets. I was like, wow, this is fascinating. And then I started speaking to more people and like, I actually figured out that like people have been doing this for thousands of years. <laughs> it's just <laughs> been coined now. And like everyone talks about it as burr, but this has been, you know, one of the oldest strategies in, in, in the history of real estate. So it's just, it's pretty interesting. I just, I just did it with a six unit. So you can do it with commercial properties. You can do it with single family properties. You can do it pretty much, you know, however you need to. Right. That's pretty cool. And question for you, what, how do you decide which property to turn into a rental, a burr or a flip? Like, is there a difference in the numbers? Like, how does that work? It comes down to a uh, return on investment. For example, if somebody, if, if something is going to, it's not going to hit depending on where I'm working. So if I'm in New Jersey, and I'm not pulling 1.25 to 1.4 percent um, of the, you know. So if I'm if I'm paying 100 100,000 dollars for a property, let's say, and I'm not pulling a 1,400 dollar rent out of it, I can't do that in New Jersey. So I've got to look at the return on investment overall. Is it 30 percent? Is it, you know, 30 thousand dollars? I mean, I'm sorry. Is it 15 percent? 30 thousand dollars? If it is, I'll probably flip it. If if the rental in this area it doesn't work out, you know, um, I kind of look at it that way. So if if it's in my wheelhouse, I'm going to hold it. That that's what I like to do. I like to buy and hold for long term. If it's not, then I'll flip it. And it's pretty much that simple. If 
if I find a home run and I'm all about, um, you know, RBIs, I would love to hit singles all day. I'm a Pete Rose, Tony Gwynn fan. You get on first base, you go into the hall of fame. You have a, you know, 380 batting average. I'm all for it. I'm not looking at the, you know, 40, 50 home run hitter. I, I, that's great. Um, to make a golf analogy, you drive for show and you putt for dough. Right. So it's the guys who work on the green and, and the round of green with their approach shots that actually make the most money in the same way. If you're buying and holding for long term and you're using the appropriate strategies, then you're going to wind up with generational wealth as opposed to someone who uh, buys a property and immediately flips it and they make 50, $60,000. And when they're done, so is their money. I would rather have, you know, a hundred doors pulling me in three to $500 per month. Right. Interesting. And I love to use the baseball terminology and analogy because like I'm a huge uh, sports baseball fan actually. And um, this has been a discussion in my family and amongst my friends, like the Mets just picked up Javier Baez. I don't know how familiar, but he's a strikeout or a home run guy. And since he's come to the Mets a couple of days ago, like literally that's all he's done. He's hit a couple home runs and he's pretty much like struck out the rest of the at-bats. And like, that's exactly, that's a great analogy because like, I feel like for investors as well, or even, you know, I'm saying like passive investors or even active investors, like you go for the solid single double, you're going to build generational wealth. You go for the home runner strikeout, you may strike out and that may set you back many, many years, or, you know, that could really wreck your whole career. So, you know, going for the solid base hit, that's a, that's a great way to go. Um, All right. Question. How do you, um, how do you determine or evaluate, I'll say, the rehab costs on a flip? I know this is something that a lot of newbies struggle with. Um, it's, you know, figuring out how to repair the kitchen, what's that going to cost? And like working with, you know, several different contractors, like you kind of don't even know, like who's ripping you off, who's not, like starting out, like how do you go about that? Right. Um, you know, it's, I hate to say that it's, experience. Um, if I were new and doing it all over again, I would do exactly what I did. And I grab a, a contractor and I'd walk through the property and I'd say, how much is this? How much is that? How much is this? How much is that? Now split it into labor and materials. I'll order, I'll order all of the materials because I'm a veteran and I'm a contractor. So I get percentage on top of percentage at Lowe's, um, which benefits me. On the other hand, I didn't know everything there was to know about construction. I had done a little bit, but not nothing like, I mean, experience is key, right? Um, when you're walking through a property and you're looking at things, I would look at the big items first. What is going to cost you the most money? Your roof, your windows, your mechanicals, your electric, and your plumbing, okay? Um, if you run into, in New Jersey, if you run into a 1902 property that's got knob and tube, it's going to cost you, you know, in, in fact, it cost me $17,000 on one of my flips. Wow. So there, there are things, but we had enough money built in where it wasn't a problem, which was a positive. Um, the experience is the key, but don't be afraid to ask for help. That's, that's a major, a major tool in your, in your toolbox. Right. Got it. So essentially getting help from other investors, or you're talking about getting help from the contractors mostly. Anybody. Don't be afraid to ask. Right. In this business, here's what I've learned, Penny. You can walk. Now, I don't want to say that, you know, all of the contractors are going to be your best friend and that's the way it's going to be. There are some people who are abrasive and in it for themselves. But 
what I've learned is the majority of the people that I've run into are very open and honest about numbers and they will help you out because if, and, and this is the expression that I kind of use all the time. If Bud makes money, everybody makes money. Right. So you want to do business with Bud. Got it. Got it. Interesting. And I'm curious to hear from you. Why is it that contractors have such a bad name in the industry? Like for some reason you go to meetups or wherever it is, like people are discussing contractors always ripping people off or being dishonest. Um, I'm curious if you found that in your business as well. And if yes, um, how do you go about finding the good ones? Yeah, uh, here's, here's a, uh, let me give you a word of caution. And in this case, it's not, I'm not saying be cautious because people are evil. What I'm saying is be cautious because the people that you're dealing with may not be as in tune with their own finances as you are. If you are walking up and talking to your contractor and he hands you an envelope of receipts that he's forgotten over the past three weeks, that's not his fault. It's yours. Okay. So you, you have to be in tune with everything. I'm going to Costa Rica next week with a contractor, a friend of mine who's done several deals with me. Um, we don't really work together anymore. He is horrible with numbers. But he is a magician inside the property. So what we've come up with was, okay, we have a Lowe's accounts receivable. If he needs to buy something, he goes to the Lowe's accounts receivable. They charge my account and that receipt comes directly to me in an email. Okay, now I know exactly what materials are costing. And on top of that, I know what his hourly rate is. Right. That's a good strategy. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And like, I, I feel like that would probably work with a lot of them, a lot of the uh, contractors. So thanks for that advice. Um, I'd like to pivot for a minute and talk about why it is that you decided to shift your focus to multifamily. You've been involved, you know, it, it's, it feels like forever because you've done so much volume, but you've been involved for three years, accomplishing a lot in the single family space with burrs, flips, wholesales and, and rentals seems like now you're pivoting and, and looking mostly for multifamily. What, what is it that you see in multifamily? Why are you making this shift? Um, I, I'm not confident in the single family home market right now. Okay. Uh, I believe that it is uh, a little overvalued. I think there's going to be, I don't think it's going to crash, but I do believe that it's going to wind up um, with a plateau and then probably a correction. Uh, that's not the entire reason. The The entire reason is because I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. Um, so if we're looking at probability and percentages, I would much rather have 10 doors in one building and have to deal with one person that's not there or one, one vacant apartment, as opposed to having one unit and have, having one vacant apartment. Uh, I, it's, it's, and it's an economy of scale. So the more doors a property has, the cheaper it is per door. I, can't, I can get one door in New Jersey for 200,000. I can get, you know, uh, we're looking at 38 doors for 2.4. Right, right. So the scalability definitely makes it really attractive. And um, I also feel like what you said, mentioned earlier with the market potentially correcting, um, we all know like the first kind of property that gets hit are the fix and flips. Um, if you're caught holding something and the market corrects, um, you're going to be stuck with that asset for a while. So definitely, like, I, I think, like, moving to multifamily overall, like, is, is, is a very safe option. It's done really well throughout the previous, you know, recessions and, and stuff. So definitely, like, I, I, I hear where you're coming from with that. And 
yeah, wishing you tons of success moving forward with the multifamilies. Um, before we move to the final four, just have one more question. Um, you did you have to re-educate yourself completely when moving to multifamily, or or were you able to sort of take a lot of the knowledge that you had learned from single family? and apply that for multifamily or was it like an entirely new like learning curve? Actually, Penny, that's a great question. Um, they are in a sense similar in some ways, but completely different in others. For example, you know what a, you know, what, um, what electrical service costs to run for one unit. If you're putting 10 of those in, you kind of get a regular idea, you know, a pretty good idea about that. However, how to figure that stuff out uh, single family properties are purchased on emotion and multifamily properties are purchased through math. And that's pretty much it. So you have cap rate or the uh, net operating income divided by the cap rate. And as long as your debt uh, coverage ratio is, uh, is over 1.25, you're going to be able to get a loan. And it's that, I, I hate to say it's that simple. It depends on the team that you have around you as always. The better your team, the better they do their jobs, the easier it is for you to acquire. Right. And also the thing is with multifamily, you know, because kind of like what you just said, like it's 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 sort of like a business. You're basically buying a business and you're just it's all about the numbers. Um, so when it comes to, um, you know, selling a property um, with single family, you know, you're going to have to rely heavily on the comps in the area. And, you know, no matter what you've done or how much value you could have added to this property, it's going to be judged and based on the properties around it. Whereas multifamily, because it's looked at differently, it's looked at just based on how much revenue, how much cash flow it produces, you can increase and improve the operations and ultimately increase tremendously the, the value of the asset. So I love, I love the fact that like so much more is in your control, you know, obviously what you mentioned before about the scalability, but also the control aspect, whereas like, Hey, you can take control of this asset and really, really turn it around, make it extremely pro profitable for the sponsor and for the investors. So I, I love that. Um, all right, let's go, let's move on to the final four. This is more like rapid uh, question answer type. What is your why? My why is my wife, <laughs> pure and simple. I want to spend more time at home. Um, I'm retiring. I have my real estate business. I, I'm also a real estate agent. I'm working on that. Uh, I just want to be home. That's pure and simple. That's it. I want to be able to do with her when I want, what I want, where I want. Love it. Absolutely love it. What is the best advice that you can give for somebody just starting out in real estate, whether that be single family or multifamily? What's the best thing that they can be doing? Uh, if you're so do it, get into it, do it, jump in, get, get your, don't just get your feet wet, jump in and go underwater, get like, get your head wet. Um, if you believe that the numbers are right, then they, they probably will be. And I'll tell you this, if you're making an offer to someone and it doesn't make you feel a little queasy, then you're wrong. Then you're <laughs> overpaying, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Got it. I've heard that before. Yeah. And actually, I have another follow up question on that. You know, people are educating themselves in real estate. They're trying to learn as much as possible. But at the same time, like we'll never know everything. Right. Because there's always something more to learn. So Absolutely. my question is, like, at what point should an investor feel comfortable taking action? That's actually a great question. But let me put this in perspective, uh, you know, and, and go back to what you just said about somebody's always, I consider myself a student all the time. I'm always a student. I'm going down to Orlando for a conference. It's a wholesale and acquisitions uh, conference. I don't wholesale anymore. The only reason I ever did wholesale 
was simply as a secondary exit strategy because I got too busy. Um, but I'm going down to a basic wholesaling and acquisition strategy conference simply because I'm probably going to pick something up. And I've been through it three times already. That's so cool. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, get into it, do your thing. If, if you feel as though you're not ready, you probably are. And you just, you're, it's fear. Got it. Got it. So it's important to determine like what it is that's holding you back. Is it that analysis Absolutely. paralysis or is it something real? Right. In most cases, it's just analysis paralysis holding you back. Yeah. And if you look at it from a higher level, it may not be, I'm afraid of making a deal. It might be, Hey, I'm just afraid. Well, does this affect you in other aspects of your life? Do you find that, that you're afraid to make decisions in something else that's more important, like your job? You know, it's, it's probably not just that. And if you look at yourself from a higher level, you'll probably figure that out. And once you attack that, then this is nothing. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, all right. What would be your favorite book? Everybody says Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? I know. I mean, everybody <laughs> does. And it, and it was. And uh, when I turned 48 years old, it actually changed my life. Um, so I, I just read uh, Who uh, by Jeff Smart. Uh, it's about hiring the right person, not necessarily a person for a job. You don't hire the person that is basically going to do the job. You hire the right person for your company that will do the job right. You can teach them the job. It's just the person. So that that was kind of a game changer. I just hired a uh, an executive assistant, and this guy is crushing it for me. And he's a virtual assistant, by the way. He's in the Philippines. Oh, wow. Amazing. That's so cool. Um, all right. What is your favorite hobby? Ice hockey. That's it. I mean, I love golf. Uh, I can't play anymore. My knees are trashed, but I love the sport. Uh, in fact, my partner and I met at a Flyers game at a uh, an upscale bar while we were in between periods watching the game. And um, that was it. That's how we introduced ourselves to each other. He said, hey, why don't, why don't you ever ask me to invest? I said, well, hey, it's funny you should ask. I actually have a project that's going on right now. The next thing I knew, he was, you know, basically paying me to close my company and, wow. and start a new one with him. Cool. So it starts with the sports and it ends with the business. It ends with exactly. becoming partners of business. Yeah. The big joke is, so I walk into a bar and I hang out with this guy. And the next thing I know, I have $500,000 in my pocket. <laughs> that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Is that, is that what happened with you? <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. All right. That's a good joke. Maybe I'll start making it more often as well. Maybe that'll translate to my success. There you go. Talk about real estate everywhere and anytime you can. And eventually people will start. Matter of fact, it happened to us the other day. We were at, a, we were at our meeting and we meet in King of Prussia and he likes Hooters. It's right down the street from his house. So we went there and we're sitting there having a conversation. And there was a gentleman who was sitting next to us and we were talking about this 28 unit. And the guy goes, hey, are you guys talking about real estate? Business card right. later. And he's a, he's a private money lender. Wow. That is so cool. That is so nice. Yeah, but it, it really is a good lesson. Like just if you're really passionate about it, well, if you're not passionate about it, why are you doing it in the first place? And if you are passionate about it, you should be talking about it all over the place because you're just going to start attracting all the right people and it'll help you scale so much faster and more efficiently. So definitely a great lesson with that. All right, bud, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Um, great podcast, great conversation. You really shared a lot of value and um, yeah, hope to get you back on here someday. I'll look forward to it, Penny. When we close our 50 deal, 50 unit deal, or we sell it, uh, I'll be more than happy to get, you know, give you the, the, the ins and outs of that one. You got it. It's a deal. All right. Take All right. care, bud. Yeah. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye-bye.